Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to help you prepare for Sunday and beyond. I am Pastor Wright, and each week I have a conversation exploring the Bible readings for this upcoming Sunday. Join us as we discuss how the lessons are applied to our daily life in Christ. Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, and today's conversation is with Vicar Hill. Hello. And we get to look at the readings for the 14th Sunday after Pentecost, and we'll specifically look at the gospel lesson, which comes to us from St. Mark, the seventh chapter. And if you would like to listen to these readings, they were dropped on the reading podcast yesterday. So, we're continuing, actually, what happened last week with Jesus' encounter with the Pharisees concerning ceremonial hand-washing and obeying the law and the intent of the heart, motivation to do things. And in this lesson, we have Jesus called the people to himself again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. And right there, before we get into anything else— when Jesus calls people to himself and makes this statement, what I hear him saying is, I have something to say, listen to me. Gather around, listen yeah. up, y'all. Yeah. I got something good to say. Exactly. And, and But it's always calm, cool, and collect about this. Because the one thing that I really appreciate, and just kind of painting the context to this, when Jesus calls out the Pharisees because they think they're calling him out, why do your disciples not follow these traditions? And Jesus lays it out, and he's not picking a fight. He's not, um, let me show you how good I am, or, you know, do you know who I am? But he shows them what's wrong with what they're saying and why they're doing it. And the Pharisees are gone in this text, and Jesus continues to teach. And I really like this. It's kind of the difference between someone who's kind of a showman yeah. and they're doing something as a performance and then someone who's truly a teacher. Oh, yeah. So here we see and we remember Jesus is the rabbi mm -hmm. and he's there to teach. And so we have this moment of compassion where he's trying to get them to understand. And that's important because you realize that the Pharisees are uh, not intentionally, but they have kind of misled the people uh, to to build up these fences around the law, like we talked about last week. Yeah. And so Jesus isn't, like you said, not being combative or overly combat combative here, but really trying to teach the people the correct way to understand these things. And again, I appreciate that this is the context in which Jesus is speaking and delivering this, because again, it's not his chance. Do you know what those Pharisees said? Do you know what they are? He is continuing to show how they're wrong, but putting it in the context of why he is there and what he's doing. And it is, this is really actually for your benefit. Listen to me and live in what I'm saying. Because he goes on to say, there is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And this gets really interesting because... Well, what goes into people, and immediately I think of food, 
but this is such a bigger statement. But I, let's play on the food thing for a second. What are we talking about? What goes in him, in the person, doesn't necessarily defile him. How can we say something like that? Or will not we? How can Jesus say that? Because what happens if I just eat unhealthy food? It doesn't mean that I'm going to become healthy in spite of my unhealthy eating habits. So why is it that Jesus can say something that if it comes in, it doesn't defile me, but if it comes out or how I use it, that's what defiles you. You got anything on that one? Yeah, and I'm thinking about, um, maybe this is before that thought, but thinking about uh, even just the practical terms, a mm-hmm. lot of the Levitical laws, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, were set up as basically just protection around oh, yeah. certain foods that would be literally unhealthy to mm-hmm. eat, as in they could cause sickness. Right. Um, and so here we have that kind of floating in the background, but then thinking about what goes into a person, uh, and he really kind of flips the logic that they're so used to yeah. on its head. Yeah, and, and that's what I wrestle with because, again, you know, we want to eat healthy, we want to be healthy, and so we should watch what we consume. But then Jesus, again, makes this a bigger situation because what does this do to co- uh, what comes in? What does that look like as it comes out? And that's actions, that's thoughts, that's words, that, that's your life. And so it's not just food. Even though it does, uh, food comes out or is stated a little bit later. And Jesus goes on to say, And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked about this parable. And I really like that because... Jesus, again, teaches, and he's not being showy. He's not, let me tell you everything I know. And the disciples still come, Jesus, you're saying some neat stuff. We don't get it. (laughs) Tell us more. And they're probably, uh, not to put words into the story, but they're probably speaking for more than just the 12 of them. It's probably a lot of people that don't fully understand what Jesus is saying, but they're kind of bold enough uh, to really express that they don't understand. And I appreciate that because you you need people to ask these questions because Jesus is not looking for yes men. He's not looking for people just to nod their head and and think or or look like they understand. And, And the disciples aren't challenging Jesus. This really is, we don't get what you're saying. And I wonder, is this because they want to be good Jews And Jesus is saying something contrary. Like when the Pharisees pointed out that they weren't washing their hands, was it like, oh, I got caught. Now now what do I do? Or is it, oh, wait, hey, I am free from the law. This isn't something I need to do for my salvation. And still wrestling with this newness and trying to figure out where are my motivations in doing this ceremony, doing this ritual? How does this help me in my relationship with God, forgiveness, life, my neighbor? And I very much appreciate that the disciples ask. And with that, you're talking about the ceremonies and the Mm -hmm. rituals. It's important to note that we kind of sit here today and think, well, that's they didn't have to do any of that, so that was all silly. But those were set up for a reason. Mm -hmm. If you think Old Testament, all those ceremonies and rituals were set there to set apart God's people. 
And it's not only for other people to go, oh, well, those are God's people because they do all those weird rituals and ceremonies, <laughs> but it's also for the the benefit of the daily living of right. Israel, God's people, um, because all those things were supposed to be reminders of who they are as a people. Well, yeah, it created the the mode of life, the model of life, and it separated them so that others would know, but then it made who and what you were are a part of your life. We do these things because... That's who we are. Yeah, so thinking about motivations then behind the action really becomes, uh, it should become the main point here Mm. because the rituals in in and of themselves are not the problem. But as Jesus pointed out both last week and then in this reading, it's really the heart that's, that's the focus of the matter. And then Jesus talking to the disciples, then are you also without understanding? That's a big question. And I don't think he's being mean about this. Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him? And and I want to pause here. This is a huge statement. And this really means that St. Paul will, will harp on this in a very good way, that we have the freedom of the gospel to do anything we want. Yes, your pastor said you have the freedom in the gospel to do whatever you want. But then the question that immediately follows that, what is beneficial for your life, your life in Christ, your faith, understanding what Christ has done for you? And of course, we're going to quickly say it's following the good right decisions that are laid out. We have the wonderful examples of the Ten Commandments. We have the wonderful examples of worshiping God and and so on and so forth. And so when we look at what creation offers, if we look at them as good gifts, we're going to utilize them as good gifts. And I I like uh, what Jesus says about food in this situation. Is food made for the stomach? or a stomach made for the food? Who's running the show? Who and what is doing the things in the gifts that are given to us? Are you seeking to just feed your stomach with everything and anything you want because your stomach is running you, running your motivations? Or do you understand that food is this good gift that is used for your health, your well-being, sustaining your energy to serve your neighbor, and that way it is appropriately used. Instead of seeking the next tasty thing, you're looking for the good beneficial thing that will support and build your life. And again, I I like food, and to confess a little bit, I'm hungry, so it's going to be food metaphors for the rest of the podcast. I uh, we get to the the little insertion there yes. by the by the evangelist Mark. Thus he declared all foods clean, and in my head I just go mm, bacon, <laughs> bacon. But uh, but with that, this was kind of an interesting thing that I was looking at before this, and we had kind of discussed. But we have Mark insert all foods clean, right? But it's in parentheses, which is just an editorial note there. But what does that really mean? And one thing I was seeing was that this wasn't Jesus proclaiming, mm-hmm. okay, guys, you can eat whatever you want. You don't have to do any of the rituals. You can just 
you can do the Christian thing and mm-hmm. live in freedom now. But this was more of a note that Mark inserts based on not only these words from Jesus in, in this text, but also um, words that he would say later. And so it's kind of yeah. then inserting that all foods would, would become clean. And you mentioned this comes to fruition later in Acts. Yeah, Peter's, uh, it sounds silly, but I always, Peter's sitting out, outside, and he has this vision. And this sheet is unraveled, unfolded in heaven. And all the animals come down and he hears the voice of Jesus, kill and eat. And Peter, being a pious Jew, says, no unclean food has ever touched my lips. And Jesus, and again, in my mind's ear, very sternly, kill and eat. It's all clean because I've made it clean. And I think it's interesting that St. Mark is making that statement now. And we're seeing this, this connection to the fullness of the freedom that we have and the freedom that Jesus is pointing out and showing where should our motivation be, where should it come from. Not in the act, but from the heart, from the inner self, from the life of faith, the understanding of what and who Christ is as he dwells in you, as he changes you, as you conform your life and the sanctified life. And we see that little tidbit in, thus he declared all foods clean. And I I like what you said. It's not that Jesus was giving this great sermon and then stopped and said, oh, by the way, go ahead and eat some bacon. This comes later, and uh, uh, St. Mark is making the connection for us here. So you mentioned a word there a second ago, the heart. Oh, yeah. And for for listeners today, I think that needs a little bit of explanation. Yeah, w- with that, especially in the, the Gospels, when the New Testament writers would speak about uh, motivation from the heart or uh, things coming from the heart. This is the the spirit-mind aspect, what motivates us. And they would locate this in the heart because the heart is the thing that is truly the center of being. If you don't have a heart, well, you don't have life. And so it was all emotion, all thought, all motivation, uh, interest, inclination, came from your heart, your inner being. That was kind of the the center of yeah. personality. Right. And everything f- would flow from there. It yeah. wasn't, well, follow your heart <laughs> yeah. and do whatever you feel like. That wasn't really uh, what was meant then. Uh, that was just the Semitic way of saying kind of the personality, the moral right. identity comes from the heart. Yeah. Yeah, no, I appreciate that because we do hear a lot of the heart wants what the heart wants. And we know from this that that's not actually a good thing. Uh, Jesus continues uh, in verse 20, and he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, and again, what we're talking about, comes evil thoughts sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. So just reading this, and before we pushed record, we were discussing all these things. Notice that sexual immorality and adultery 
are separate. Mm -hmm. I thought that was just very interesting that they actually carry two separate things, and we quickly lump something like that together. So, again, we see that motivation to treat God's gifts of sex, to treat God's gift of marriage— those come out twice, and I think that's interesting and needs to be of note. So, Vicar, I want to push on you a little bit on this. Uh, before the recording, we were talking about uh, consuming, and not just food, but consuming things. Mm-hmm. Jesus is pretty clear on this, that it's not what goes in, it's what comes out. So my question to you is, how did it get there to begin with? How did it get in the inside for us to have evil thoughts or evil desires? So this is one of those, which came first, chicken or the yes, egg? Yes, exactly. Concepts. There we go. So, yeah, and and I think to answer that, you can look at how the heart is being used here mm-hmm. um, because it's interesting. This is the gospel of the Lord for this day. Yeah. That the human heart is wicked. Yep. <laughs> That's basically kind of the bottom line. Out of the heart come all of these grotesque and sinful things. This is the gospel of the Lord. <laughs> Praise to you, O Christ. Everyone <laughs> looks kind of confused as they respond. But um, it's this idea that, yeah, wh- where does this, the desire or the inclination to, c- to come out with wickedness, mm-hmm. deceit, adultery, where does that come from? And I think you have to look at the human heart itself now since the fall is sinful. Mm-hmm. So we have that. And then we were also talking about, well, if your heart is sinful, you have this sinful condition, what is your heart going to be looking for in the world? Yeah, Things that are sinful, because that's what it knows. That's what it craves. That's what it longs for, because it's already sinful in itself. So you have this tension between our old sinful nature and maybe the things that we should be doing, but they're coming from outside of us, that lust, uh, adultery, whatever it is, and then they match our sinful heart, and so there's a connection there. I, I like that, the, the connection aspect. Because I, I go a little bit further, uh, the same concept, but the whole idea that we actually consume all this sinful stuff. And, and what I mean by that is... Uh, our, our sinful nature, as you said, desire this, but then we actually actively search it out. And we really are what we consume. And the struggle with that is how do we deal with that? So if I'm consuming bad TV, and so I see all these things that then make uh, anti biblical or contrary biblical living normal, I'm going to start trying to live that out, or I'm going to start mimicking that vocabulary, because that's what I see again and again and again. And on top of that, I might be able to, or I might be watching this on TV, movies, or hearing it on the the radio and music, but then I'm going to also start searching this out in real life. And this is where the the defilement comes because now I'm acting upon it. Now I'm searching it out. Now it's the actual motivation of my wicked heart, of my wicked self. And now I'm going to surround myself with this. And this is frankly really scary because I, first of all, I need no help to sin. 
I do this great on my own. But then how do we misuse all these God-given gifts? Uh, TV, music, uh, books, all the, the entertainment and art, those don't have to be bad and evil. We have misused those gifts. Uh, sex, um, the joys of marriage, family, all those things. Again, God's gifts. How quickly do we misuse those? Money, yet again, another thing, God's gift. How quickly do we misuse? And I, I think this is the issue that Jesus is pointing out. You have all of creation. And I always want to hear Jesus say, that I gave to you. Hmm. You know, these are things for you. I thought of you and made this. And look what you have done. These things are not evil unto themselves, but look what you have done. Look how you've misused them. And not only that, but when they go into you, how does it move and circulate to come out sometimes even worse in your actions? as you move farther away from me. As you were talking about the whole idea of consuming with a sinful heart, I was reminded of Ezekiel. When he talks about the heart, he says that we're born with hearts of stone, and only in God will we be given hearts of flesh. And you said something really great, the tension of having a heart of flesh. We know right from wrong because it's been revealed to us through the Holy Spirit in the declaration of what Christ has done for us and how we struggle. And we should struggle, because if we struggle, that means that we're recognizing what we're doing, what we're not doing, and what we should do. And as God's holy people, go to church. Uh, be a peculiar people. Do the odd things of Scripture, praying, trusting, asking for forgiveness, understanding that you're a sinful person, but working in the righteousness of Christ to do and be better. And dear people, this is hard. And that's the struggle of the Christian life. And that's uh, not only come to church and do all those things, but then take them out of this place yes. and live them out in your daily lives. I mean, something as simple as praying before your meal mm -hmm. at a restaurant. And yeah. don't hear me as you have to do this. Right. But why not? Mm-hmm probably because you think someone's going to look at you and go, oh, what are those Bible thumpers doing before they're... But that's living out the Christian life. It's probably noticeable by yeah. others. And it's not for show. Right. Not the, the Pharisees, I'm doing this because I'm supposed to, so I'm going to go through the motions. It's, I'm doing this because this is God's will. I'm supposed to give thanks. Mm -hmm. I should be with a joyful heart giving thanks before my meal. And again, not you have to go out and do this, but it's being that peculiar person in a strange world right. where you're doing things that that show that you're living out your faith. I think you hit the nail on the head, especially with the, the statement, go to church, don't do this for show. Do this because this is where you hear and where you're strengthened, where you have and receive Christ so that you can go out and be God's people wherever he sends you. Thank you for listening to Get Right for Sunday. I know that your time is valuable, and of all the things that you could have watched or listened to, you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday. 
Would you take a moment to give a five-star rating of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform? This actually helps others to be able to find Get Right for Sunday. Again, thank you for your time, your prayers, and support.